Isn't God good? You know, um, I, I told, I, I was talking to Joel, we were eating lunch one day, and, and uh, you know, about every service they would bring people up on the stage and, and at, you know, give testimonies and stuff. And um, I, I was just, I, I, told, I told him, I said, man, I said, really and truly, we don't know how good we have it. You know, I, uh, I was raised in a, you know, in a Christian home. Uh, my kids have always been in a Christian home and and brought brought to a good church and um, you know these you, you see these uh, they told this story of this one this one girl that came and uh, and her punishment now listen to this listen how warped people are her punishment she'd get in trouble for not doing something her parents would want her parents would would lock her in a room and turn on pornography for her to watch that was her punishment. I mean, you know, how warped do people have to be? You know, and and uh, and just story after story like that. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, and I, I look at. I, I mean, I, I was just. You know, one of the things that one of the things that that I that God just ministered to me that, this past weekend was just how blessed that we really are. How blessed my fam- how blessed I am, and how blessed my family is, and how blessed you guys are. And I know, listen. I know none of us are perfect. We all we all go through our struggles. We all go through our hard times, but but we have we have each other. You know I, something Claire said. I want to echo is, you know, nev- you know if if you're struggling with something, reach out to somebody. Amen. Listen, this church this church is full of people that'll love you, Amen. people that'll 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 stand by your side and they'll fight for you. They'll they'll help you. They'll do whatever they can do. But but don't fight the battle by yourself. Amen. I mean, find somebody to help. And, uh, I mean, because, man, that's what a, you know, how many people are, are looking without looking for things without help and trying to do it in their own strength, and they'll never be able to do that. Amen. Well, listen, I want to share one thing with you today. Um, the very first night, um, Micah Wood, the pastor there at the ramp in, uh, in Hamilton, Alabama, he pastored the church there. He spoke, and... He spoke on this subject uh, on Wednesday nights. We have been doing a series on uh, Hebrews 11, and we just finished it up two weeks ago. Let me and let me mention this too. Uh, this past Wednesday, I did a I, I ministered a, a message called "Walking in the Supernatural," and I want to encourage you uh, either get the CD or go online and listen to that message. That was kind of the message that that the Lord gave me to uh, to kind of go into 2019, and and I so I, I just encourage you that if you weren't here Wednesday night. Um, to go out on, online and listen to that message or get the CD because it kind of lays the foundation for where we're heading in 2019 and what God spoke to us. And, and uh, So make sure you take the time to listen to that. But, but the week before that, we finished up on Hebrews chapter 11, and one of the, one of the uh, people that we had looked at was Samuel and, and out of 1 Samuel chapter 3. And, uh, and Micah, Micah Wood ministered a message that first night, that Saturday night we got there, about and the title of his message was Revelation and Restraint, and and I thought it was such a perfect message for us going into uh, 2019 that I want to just share some highlights out of it. I I can't repreach it because I don't have time this morning, but but I want to I want to just share some some highlights and encourage you that let's go into let's go into 2019 and you'll understand this when I, when when I minister this, but let's go into 2019 with Revelation and Restraint. And here's what this means. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, and uh, let's just go ahead and turn over there. 1 Samuel 
chapter 3. The backstory of this is that, that uh, um, if you remember, Samuel, uh, was his, his mother, Hannah, was, uh, was barren, and she prayed and, and was begging God for a, a son, and, and uh, she went to the temple, and when, when they went for one of the feasts, they went, she went to the temple, and she was praying, and she was so, she, she was so anguished in her prayers that the priest... Uh, Samuel thought that, or Eli thought that she was drunk, and came and, and was trying to escort her out of the temple. You know, rebuking her, telling her, you know, when you get when you get sober, come back. You can come back and pray. And, and she was telling him, I'm not. I've, I haven't drank anything. I'm not drunk. She said, My heart is just being poured out. You know, and she said, I'm, I'm just. I have this request that I'm asking of the Lord. She didn't tell Eli what that request was, but Eli saw that she was sincere, and he said, May the may the may the request of your heart be answered. And she had told the Lord that if that if he gave her a son, that he would dedicate she would dedicate it dedicate him to the Lord and give him to the Lord's service. So sure enough, she becomes pregnant. She has Samuel, and and when she has Samuel, she keeps Samuel until he's weaned, until he's old enough to be away, you know, be on his be on his own. He was a young child, but he was weaned from from the breast, and so he was you know so he he could eat solid foods and all that. I don't know how old he was, probably. I mean, he was probably, I mean, probably, uh, you know, somewhere five to ten years old, maybe older than that by the time she took him to the, to the temple. But she took him to the temple and, and gave her son, Samuel, to Eli, the priest, to raise. And she said, I made a covenant to the Lord that I would give my son to the Lord's service. So Eli took Samuel in to, to raise and to raise, um, you know, in the temple and, and to train in the things of the Lord. So this is the this this is the setup as we get here in chapter three, and I want to read just a few verses here, and then and we'll talk about this. In First Samuel chapter three, it says this, and this and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, for there was no open vision. Now that other translations say this, there was no revelation, the and it says that the word of the Lord was precious in that day. We could read other scriptures, but I'm just going to tell you the story. The reason the word of the Lord was precious in that day was this, was because Eli and Eli had two sons, uh, Phineas and Hophni, and they were, they were actually rebels. They were actually uh, evil. And actually the Bible calls them sons of Belial. <laughs> you know, they were, they, were, they were Eli's sons, the prophet's sons, but they, but they stole from the people. They, they would take the choice. They would make the people give more than the Lord required of them. And they, they were just treated the people horrible. And it even got so bad as to that they were actually, uh, they would actually take the women and actually have, have sex with them right inside the temple doors. And they set up like a prostitution ring almost. And, and the Lord sent a prophet to warn Eli about it. Eli knew about it. But Eli did nothing about it. He told them, he scolded them, kind of patted, you know, slapped them on the wrist and said, now you boys need to line up, you boys need to straighten up and quit doing this. Well, they got, they got even worse. So the Bible says that during that time when, when Hannah brought, or brought Samuel to Eli, the word of the Lord was precious because there was no revelation. The word revelation there, that word, there was no open vision or word revelation, we, we sometimes use different terms for that, but the way I want to look at it today is this. There was no, there was no sense of the presence of God. How many of you know that if, if you don't sense the presence of God, and if you think that, that God is not around, if you think that, that, that His presence is nowhere to be found, then you can let sin creep into your life very easily. 
And during that time, that's what was happening, even in the temple, that Eli and his sons were allowing sin to come into the very temple of God, and, and they were doing nothing about it. And it's, so it says that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision or no revelation. And it came to pass at that time, verse 2, when Eli was laid down in his place, his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. So Eli's getting older, and he, his vision is leaving. He can't see, and, you know, and he's pretty much confined, uh, you know, a, a lot. He's confined in bed. We find out later, we find out about Eli. One of the things about Eli, Eli was a, was a big man. He was a fat man. And he was so fat that the Bible says that he was on a stool one day, and this is the way he died later on after this. He was sitting on a stool one day, and he fell off the stool, and he was so big that when he, when he landed on his back, his neck snapped. I mean, he landed on his back, and, and he had whiplash, and his neck snapped, and he died of a broken neck because he was so big that he fell off, and he, you know, he, he couldn't hold his head up, and, and he broke his neck when he fell. And that's, that's another picture of showing no restraint. Whatever Eli wanted, he got. And he got fatter and fatter and fatter until it killed him. So, so this is the, the scene where Samuel's at now. And it says, and, the lamp, uh, and ere the lamp of God went out, or before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, Samuel was laid down to sleep. Then the Lord called Samuel and answered. And the Lord called Samuel and he answered. And he said, here am I. And he, ran, and he ran unto Eli and said, here I am. For you called me. But Eli said, I, called, I didn't call you. Go lay down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again. Boy, aren't you glad that God doesn't stop the first time he calls us? God called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose up and went to Eli and said, Here, I am, here am I, for you did call me. And he answered, I didn't call you, my son. Go lie down. Now Samuel did not yet... Now listen to this verse. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So although Samuel was in the temple, he didn't yet know God's voice. And that's the reason he kept running to man every time God would call him. He ran to man to get an answer that only God could provide. And, and finally, and then here we, in verse number 8, it goes on to say this, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. So Eli finally caught on. And he said, Okay, if somebody's calling him and it's not me, it must be God. So Eli told him. He says, Therefore said Eli unto Samuel, Go and lie down, and it shall be that if, if, he, if he shall call thee, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and laid down in, that, in his place. Now look at verse 10. This is awesome. Look at verse 10. And the Lord came. The other three times, the Lord just called. But now that Samuel was expecting him, God came down. It says, God came and he stood and he called out as the other times. And this time he said, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth, it shall tingle. So in other words, God, said, God told, he told Samuel, he said, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make people, it'll make people hard, they'll be, it'll be hard to believe that it actually happened. I don't know about you, but I can't wait till God does something at Destiny Bible Church 
that people will be saying, oh, I don't, I, that, there's no way that could happen. I can't wait till God does something in your life to where everybody around is going to be saying, how in the world did that person get that? How in the world did that happen to him? How in the world did that, there's, you know, that's impossible that that would happen. But not with God. Amen. Now, that'll preach. That don't, we could give that for a long time, but we'll have to leave that at that. Verse 12 says, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. Because remember, God showed up to Eli and told him, Listen, you know, your sons are, are doing bad things. You need to make correction. So God, so God shows up and, tells, and he's telling Samuel, He says, I want you to go tell Eli everything that I've prophesied that I'll do to his house, I'm going to do it. And he says, he says that I have spoken concerning his house when I began, and I also will make an end. Now listen to verse 13. He says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever, I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. So what God, God was telling Samuel, he said, Go tell Eli that I'm going to judge him for the sins that he knows that he's committed. He says, I want you to tell Eli, basically it goes like this, he said, tell Eli, he said, tell him that God knows, that he knows, that Samuel knows, or that Eli knows, that, that he's committed sins, and now God's showing up to, to bring judgment. You see, guys, listen, there's things in our lives that God has spoken to every one of us. And we know we need correction. We know we need to change things. We know we need to stop doing this and start doing that. And God is, God is standing here saying, I know that you know, so now take care of it. It's one thing when we do things when we think nobody knows. But when we know that everybody knows, sometimes it makes us think twice, doesn't it? And the prophet, the pro, or God told Samuel to tell Eli, tell Eli that I know that he knows, and I'm going to judge him for what he knows. You know, we, we have to, you know, the things that we know, the Bible, the Bible says to know to do something and not to do it is sin. You know, and God, and God is saying to us, if you know you should be doing something, then get busy doing it. And if you know you shouldn't be doing something, then stop. You know, if we're going to have a supernatural year, if we're going to see God move like we want to see God move, then there's, there's going to come a time when we have to start stepping up to the plate and, and living our lives like we know we should be living them. Amen. And he goes on, and we could read, we could read the rest of this, and he goes on and he, he says a lot of other things, but, but I want to talk to you about a couple things. Listen, now listen to this. There was no revelation, there was no sense of God in the temple. And because there was no sense of God in the temple, there was no restraint for the sin that they allowed to come in. And it's like a cycle, because here was the cycle that they were stuck in. They had no sense of God, so there was no restraint. And since there was no restraint, and sin entered in, and they, they kept, they, their sin kept getting worse and worse and worse, it didn't allow any sense of God to come back into the temple. So it's like a circle. There was no, there was no sense of God and it allowed, it, it, they, so there was no restraint to sin. And since there was no restraint to sin, there was no sense of God in the house. 
And it's the same cycle that you and I get into because we start compromising. When we lose the sense of God in our lives, we start compromising and allow sin to come into our lives. And the more sin we have in our lives, it takes us away from the sense and the presence of God. A classic example is Samson. You know, Samson, was he was one of the judges, and, and God moved powerful, powerfully in his life. Strength, Supernatural strength would come on him, and he would do all these feats and all these things, and God would do amazing things. But Samson compromised one too many times. His weakness was women. And he, he kept compromising with women, and he compromised and compromised and compromised until one day the Bible says he finally told the secret of where his strength came from because of his Nazarite vow, and, and the people came in and cut his hair because he couldn't cut his hair. When, when, the, when the enemy cut his hair, he lost his strength. But the Bible says this, probably, I mean, it's a, one, a very sad verse in the Bible. It says that Samson jumped up as he did other times, but he was unaware that the presence of God had left him. He had no sense of the presence of God and what happened. There was, there was no restraint in, in him uh, compromising in his life. And because of that, his eyes got gouged out. They captured him and gouged his eyes out. Why did they gouge his eyes out? So that he couldn't see and recognize and perceive that God was still with him. <clears throat> and it's just that cycle that we get into. We, we, we lose the sense of God and then we start compromising. We start, we start putting off restraints. Look at what's happening in the world today. The, you know, the, the, these churches, and, and if you want to call them churches, I don't know if we should even label them as that, but these places to, to where they're allowing, they're turning their heads, they're turning their, their eyes away from the Scripture and saying, well, we know that God says that, but, but you know, we've got to love everybody. You know, we, we have to accept everybody as they are. And I know what God's Word says, but, but you know, this is a new day. This is, a, this is not the day that the Bible was written in. And we just got to accept people, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, regardless of what the Word says. You see, that's what happens. They lose the sense of the presence of God, and there's no restraint to the, to the compromise that they have in their lives. And because of that, those places, they'll never sense the presence of God again. And that, that was actually the cycle that Israel was bound in, in in the book of Judges. If you read that, they were bound in that to where God would raise up somebody and, and God would deliver them. And then as soon as that person would die, the Bible says they turned their back on God again and they got put right back into captivity until God would hear their cry. God would raise up another prophet or another judge and, and he would come and save them and God would deliver them. And then as soon as that person died, they would go right back into bondage again. And it was the cycle of, of no revelation, no sense of the, of the presence of God. And when you have no sense of the presence of God, you'll have no restraint. You'll, you'll loosen the restraints and you'll let sin come into your life. And when you let sin come into your life, it'll keep you from the presence of God. And it's a vicious cycle that you get in. Listen to Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. We know where it says, the people perish for a lack of... or, or actually... Um, let me, let me just read that from the King James. I didn't write it down in the King James just so I get it right and don't misquote it. 29.18, it says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. But notice that where there is no vision, the people perish. Listen to a couple different translations. The message translation says this, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. 
The New Living Translation says, When people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. The Living Bible says, Where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild. And the NIV says this, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. So when, when, we, when we get to a place where we don't sense the presence of God and there's no revelation of the presence of God and, and we, we allow other things to come in and take away that, that, that precious word and that precious uh, presence of God in our lives, then we, we, we find ourselves casting off restraint and allowing sin to come into our lives. But here's the good news. I've been talking about the cycle in a negative way. But if, if it's true in a negative way, it's also true in a positive way. If there is a sense of the presence of God in your life, then, then you will find that you will be able to have restraint when it comes to sin. When temptation comes, you'll be able to say no, because I, cher I cherish the presence of God too much. I'm not risking my pre the presence of God to, to indulge in sin for, the, for a season. And then when you offer restraint to sin, then all of a sudden you'll find more of the presence of God. And then when you find more of the presence of God, all of a sudden it boldens, emboldens you to have more restraint to where even the little things that come in, you're able to say, no, I don't, I'm not even going there. I'm not touching that. And see, and it's the difference between, between asking, well, how far can I go? Versus saying, I don't even want to go there. It's the difference between, between saying, well, one drink's, one drink's okay. Versus saying, I don't even want to play with that stuff. It's the difference between, well, just going one day a week to this place won't matter. Versus, I don't even step foot in those places anymore. Because I know what it does to my relationship. And you see, so the more, the more of the presence you have in your life, the more of the awareness of the, the Spirit of God in your life, it empowers you to be able to say no to the things of the world. And when you can say no to the things of the world, it allows you to say yes to more of God. And when you say yes to more of God, it brings more of the presence of God in your life. And the more presence you have, the more power you have to resist the enemy. And the more, the more you resist the enemy, the more the presence comes. And the more the presence comes, the more, the more power you have to say no. So that cycle just keeps going on and on and on. And then, then you start realizing, you start realizing, I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. I'm becoming like Him. Our goal, your goal, my goal in 2019 should be, our number one goal should be, I want to be more like Jesus this year than I've ever been. I want to sound like Him. I want to look like Him. I want to act like Him. I want to see the results that He had. How many of you would like to, how many of you would like to see the results that Jesus had? He had perfect results. Every time he prayed, it happened. Everybody he prayed for got healed. Well, now, Pastor, I just don't know if you can do that. What you need is more presence. You need to get in the Word. You need to, to get more of Him. And when you get more of Him, then more power comes. Really, it's not more power. Really, what happens is this. You just become aware of the power you already have. 
And you start walking in the power. Because every one of us, we have, we have God living on the inside of us. If you're born again, if you are a Christian, if you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have everything you will ever need right here on the inside of you. We don't need to pray for more power, more faith, more this and more of that. What we need to pray for is, Lord, open our eyes so that we can see what, what we already have and walk in it. Amen. My prayer for 2019 for you is this. Is that when, when I say that it's going to be a supernatural year, the word the Lord gave me that it's going to be a supernatural year. When I say it's going to be a supernatural year, here's, here's what, what, what I see as being a supernatural year. We're going to see things the way God sees them. We're going to, we're going to hear things. We're going to hear the very, the very instructions from heaven to get us to go where, where He wants us to go. We're going to see the path. Our steps are going to be ordered of the Lord. How do we do that? Well, we're not going to do it living like the world, I can tell you that. We can't look like the world. We can't act like the world. We can't smell like the world. It's going to take us being set apart and us willing to say no to the flesh and no to the world and yes to Him. And, you know, what's the first step? Well, the first step, sometimes, sometimes it takes us saying no to the flesh and the, the best way we can do that is through fasting. You know, we start today, the, the 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And just real quick, I just want to share this with you, and we're, we're, getting, we're getting ready to go. <clears throat> real quick, find something. You know, whether, you know, you might say, I can't fast food. I can't, you know, I can't do that for that long or whatever. You don't have to do it for 21 days. You don't have to do it for, you know, all food. What, you know, you pray about it and ask the Lord, what is it that you can give up in the next three weeks to where you can spend more time with God in, in prayer, in worship, in the Word, and that you can, you can maybe turn the TV off, maybe, maybe fast lunch, maybe fast, you know, um, lunch, breakfast and lunch and just eat one meal a day or or, you know, maybe, maybe fast a meal every other day. Find something. All of us can find something to fast in these next 21 days to where we spend more time with God, more time in prayer, seeking His face, asking for His direction for our lives in 2019, and listening to what He has to say to us. It's a great way to start the year so that, so that we're, we're heading in the right direction. And we're not going in a direction that He doesn't want us to go in. Amen? I encourage you. I, I implore you. <laughs> I beg you, however you want to say it. Find something to fast with us. You know, I, I would love it if everybody would be fasting something. I'm not going to tell you what to do because that's between you and the Lord. You know, because if I told you what to do, it would be, you know, be like, well, pastor wanted me to do that, but I can't do it. You find what works for you. You spend time asking the Lord, and when, and when the Lord tells you what to do, then do it. And sometime in these next three weeks, spend some time fasting. I, I would encourage you to do it more than just one time. Spend, you know, take, take something every day. Fast. Uh, and, and one thing, let me just say this. One thing, one thing I am going to ask that we all do in this next 21 days of this fast is that we fast from critical thinking 
and from critical talking. And that includes complaining. That includes talking bad about somebody. You, I think we would all be shocked if we all knew how, how much, how negative our words were. So, so ask the Holy Spirit to help you not to say anything negative, not to complain, not to criticize or, or speak ill of, of anybody in the next three weeks. And some of you may, may not have much to talk about. You'll find that you'll be saying, hmm, you know, what am I going to talk about then? If I can't talk about somebody, if I can't complain, or if I can't, you know. And that's okay, because you know what you can do? The Bible says, the Bible says think on these things. Think on things that are holy, just, true, of a good report. You know, so if you want to criticize somebody, how about instead of criticizing, praise them. Find something you can praise them for. Find something you can say positive about somebody if, you want to, if, you, if you're tempted to say something negative about them. Like Brother Hagin said that one time that there's a bunch of preachers standing around talking and having a meal and, and they were talking about another preacher and, and they were all had all negative things to say. And they were all talking about how you know he was a scoundrel and he was this and he was that. And they, he said they, Brother Hagin said they went around the circle. Every one of them had something negative to say. Brother Hagin said, you know, he said, I didn't say a word. And then finally somebody popped up and says, well, Brother Hagin, what do you think about it? And Brother Hagin said he sat there for a minute. And he said, you know, he said when all them people were saying all that stuff, he said, I was thinking, well, that's, I mean, you know, he is a scoundrel. You know, he is pretty rotten. He, he did some bad things. You know, he said he had those thoughts. But when they asked him, they said, what you say about it, Brother Hagin? And finally he said, he said he just looked up at him and looked up at him and says, well, he does have pretty teeth. Because <laughs> Brother Hagin lived by the principle of not speaking ill about anybody. You know, so even if you have to tell somebody they got pretty teeth or pretty eyes or something, you know, find something to praise them about. So take, you know, so these next 21 days, let's, let's fast critical thinking, complaining, criticizing, ill talk about our, about our friends or about our family and friends, coworkers, whatever. And let's all, let's all just live our lives for Him. Let's find those things that we can fast on top of, on top of those things. But find other things you can fast and spend time praying and seeking the Lord. Get out of that vicious cycle of, of not recognizing the presence of God and then letting, letting off the restraints. You realize what happened. It cost, Eli, it cost Eli everything. Because Eli died, his two sons were, were killed, and, and the, the priesthood was taken out of his family because, because he had no restraint. Once you have the presence of God, you'll have the power to restrain. You'll have that restraint in you to where you'll be able to say no to sin to where that won't, that won't come into your house. If you've got sin in your house right now, if you've got things you know shouldn't be there, then you know what? Go home and seek the Lord. Find the presence of God and then put the restraint on and get that stuff out of your house. Stop doing those things. Stop going to those places. And as you do that, you'll find that more of the presence of God will come into your life. And the more of the presence of God comes into your life, the more restraint you'll have to say no to those things. And it's a good cycle to be in. Amen? Let me pray for you. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for... Um, ah, Lord, thank you, thank you for this year. 
2019. Father, as we, as we come into this year, I pray, Father, for every person that, that is here today, that hears this on the internet or on CD or however, Lord, I pray for the revelation of the presence of God in, in their lives. Lord, I pray that they will sense your presence. I pray that they will, they will um, be, become more aware of you in their lives so that, so that they'll have restraint when it comes to the things that they know that they should not be doing. And Father, as they, as they have the restraint to say no, then Father, it will allow more room for more of the presence, more awareness of you. So Father, I, I thank you that, that as, we, as we focus on you, as we, as we enter this 21 days of prayer and fasting, that Father, that you will speak, that your voice will become clear. Father, that we will hear you clearer than we've ever heard you. We will see you clearer than we've ever seen you. And Father, that we will become a people with a heart after you. And Father, we, we will become a people to where your presence is, is precious to us. That we don't allow anything to come into our lives that would jeopardize the presence of God in our lives. And Father, we would learn to say no quickly to those things that, that would push us away from you and say yes to the things of the Spirit in our lives. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these answered prayers over here on this cross. Lord, I'm believing in the next 21 days we're going to see miracles. We're going to see supernatural. We're going to see the supernatural become natural. We're going to see answered prayers. We're going to see people's lives turned around. And Father, we're going to see, we're going to see great things. 2019 is going to be a supernatural year for us, Father. And we thank you for that. We bless you. And we honor you this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We, we have prayer tonight at 6. If, uh, and I encourage you, if, if you're serious about fasting, serious about wanting to dig into the things of God and see God move, come to prayer. And we spend, we'll spend an hour just praying and seeking the Lord, and it'll be, it'll be, a, good, it'll be a good time. Amen. So I encourage you to come. And, uh, and if you went to the ramp, I've got, a, I've got something for you. I forgot to give this to you guys when you were up here. Um, let me share this real quick, and we'll go. I know I've went over time this morning, but I had a vision. One of the, one of the people, one of the people there in that um, in the one of the speakers talked about digging the wells, and they talked about how like we have to dig the wells in our lives. And I and I was praying when I was coming home. I was praying. I got home and uh, I was praying like it was Wednesday before church actually, and uh, before church on Wednesday night. And I was praying, and I saw me handing a little shovel to to all the teenagers. And, and, uh, and I was praying, I thought, a shovel? What, what am I handing a shovel to them for? You know, but the Lord told me that this is a, a token, this is a reminder that, that you have a part to play. That we have to dig the wells. You know, we have to keep the things out of our lives that shouldn't be there. And this is like a little keychain, they can put it on their keys or whatever, but, but let, this, let this little shovel be a reminder for all of us and, and I've only got enough of these to hand out to the ones that went to the ramp. Uh, but I may, I may order some more and give one to everybody. It would be a good reminder for us. Uh, but, but let this be a reminder to you that you have a part to play in your relationship with God. And that you do your part, and you know what? The well will gush over. You know, he, he will overflow you. He will meet you where you are. 
amen, and overflow you with that. So, so I'll have these at the back, and, and if you went up to the ramp, you can get one of these. And, uh, and we love you guys. God bless you, and you're dismissed.